If you see the I-54 campaign, we got a few props on the stage. Uh, today, we're going to be moving into the second verse of Isaiah chapter 54. And I'm going to be sharing with you some exciting vision as far as where our church is going. This is a historic morning for us as Living Stones as we un- unveil some fresh vision for where we believe God is taking us. But before I get there... I want to pause and just go back a little bit to last Sunday because we started by exhorting all of you that it's time to dream again. And I want to say that this morning to everybody that's here in case you weren't here last week. The Holy Spirit is encouraging us that we're in a season when it's time to dream again. How many of you have ever had a dream that's gone dormant, a a dream that maybe you felt like it's been squashed? Uh, Maybe you've been in a season where it's been tough And uh, I went through a season probably of six to eight years of my life when some of the biggest dreams that I was pregnant with just seemed to absolutely die on the vine. Uh, And uh, those are disappointing times. Those are disillusioning times. Those are times where you are disoriented. And I got to, I got to a place where, you know, I just said, Lord, I don't know if that was you, if that was me, uh, but you know what? My life is yours and, uh, and I'm just going to trust you. I mean, you know, that's a good place to be sometimes. You, we take our dreams and we just lay them in the Lord's lap and we say, Father, have your way. I'll bet you, I'll just bet you that in Joseph's life, the dreamer, right? When he was in the pit, when he was in prison, all of no doing of his own, I'm sure there were moments when he just said, God, I'm not so sure that that dream you gave me was really from you. I'm sure he had moments when he wavered in his faith. Uh, And I'm telling you, I know for a fact that many of you that are hearing the sound of my voice this morning, there are, are disappointments in your life, times of disillusionment, times where you thought you heard God and you stepped out in faith and maybe you fell flat on your face or you said, God, what happened? Uh, but I'm just telling you, many times God has to kill a dream before he resurrects it. And every one of you in this place this morning that's born again, how many of you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Wave at me, all right? If that's you, you're waving at me. You have been resurrected from the dead, all right? That's what it means to be born again. God resurrects dead things. In fact, God likes to make sure that they're good and dead because here's why. God wants to get the glory out of everything in our lives, out of everything in our church family's life. God wants to get the glory. So he makes sure that after he shares the vision with you, he lets you know that there's no, you know, basically you have a snowball's chance in hell of ever seeing that dream accomplished on your own efforts and your own strength and your own wisdom. Why does he do that? Because he wants us to be confronted with our weakness and our frailty so that we go, Lord, we can't do this. And then he goes, I know, but nothing is impossible with God. God is supernatural. And the more we learn to realize that and the more we learn to embrace our weakness and to trust in his strength. In fact, when you're feeling the weakest, that's when God has the greatest opportunity to do something amazing. So how many of you felt a little weak this week, weak today, struggling, you're not at your top of your game? Hallelujah. We just got done worshiping. We just got done focusing on his greatness. Put your life in his hands and watch God do a breakthrough. We shared last Sunday that God is the creator and that he's created us in his image and likeness. And guess what? God delights when you and I create. God delights when we dream his dreams after him. Because every time we do, it gives glory to him because we're made in his image and likeness. So I want you to learn that part of your 
privilege as being a human being made in the image and likeness of God is that God wants to put things in your heart that cause you to dream. And I mean, know it's the dream that causes you to get out of bed every morning. It's the big, crazy, audacious thing that God's put in your heart that causes you to go after life with great passion. We also shared last week that God's a redeemer. And what that means is he's inviting us to partner with him in raising dead things to life in healing broken people, and setting captive people free. And I want to encourage you, your life is more than just working real hard and making a few bucks, all right? Your life is more than just uh, having a dream of, of whatever it is to be successful in whatever America defines success. How many of you know if there's not a redemptive part to that, you're no different than someone that doesn't know God? God wants your life He wants to sing a song through your life that's unique. He wants to use the gifts in your life to touch people. And he wants to use the dream he's planted in your heart, hear me, to leave a legacy for generations to come. That starts in your own family. It starts in your own marriage. It starts with you loving your own kids. Uh, But we're going to leave a legacy that's going to go on long after our lives. Amen. Are you with me on that? So you're a creator. And you're a redeemer, just like God Almighty. And as he works in us, he's going to do things that are going to blow our mind. He's writing his story, our story rather, within his larger story. And I I talked about this last Sunday. The dream within a dream within a dream. I want to encourage you. You're not attending a church by accident. Pray about where you're to attend a church. In fact, if you're new here today, I believe you're not here by accident. Where you go to church, where you connect yourself is very, very important. It's not like joining a social club. It's not like joining a health club or joining some other club. This isn't a club. This is an expression of the kingdom of God here in Crown Point, Indiana. And how many of you know that sometimes your your dream and the vision God's put in your heart is attached to a larger vision of where you're worshiping and where you call home. In other words, I, I, I used uh, Sarah and Vanessa uh, this morning as an example. Sarah and Vanessa are going to be a part of a church planning effort that we're sending out of Living Stones. Sarah and Vanessa would not be going to Cambodia if they were not at this church if they were not connected to these pastors right here because that's all happened because of where they've been planted. And some people have this casual attitude about church, like I'll go when I feel like it, I'll be minimally committed, I'll just show up as long as I'm happy. Don't fall for that trap. Where you worship and the banner under which you call home is so critical to your destiny. Some of you are here because part of the dream God's put in your heart is going to find fulfillment as you lock arms with hundreds of other people around you who are part of the answer to that dream. And I told you last week, the bigger the dream, the bigger the team. The bigger the dream, the bigger the team. And sometimes people are all worried about their dream. Let me share with you. Successful people, the big dreamers, are people that spent years serving somebody else's dream. They spent years laboring, serving, giving, being faithful, uh, following the dream, taking their part in the dream. And as they were faithful, God opened up a door for the dream in their heart. But it was in God's time, in God's way, and it's always after God can trust you. How does God trust you with a dream? Let me show you how. First of all, the Bible gives us a couple of principles. First principle is this. 
To whom uh, much, uh, much is given, much is required. To whom little is given, little is required. But if you're faithful with the little, God says he'll give you much. If you're not faithful with the little, you ain't getting any more. In fact, there's this amazing parable that, that uh, socialists hate in the Bible. Remember the ten talents, or the, uh, ten talents, five talents, one talent? Uh, here's the deal. Jesus awards talents to different people. The one talent guy that does nothing with it, he gets his talent taken away and God gives it to the one with the most talent. The kingdom of God does not operate the way we think it should. God's not Robin Hood. God's not Robin Hood. God says, I'm going to give you something. What you do with it is your stewardship. If you're faithful with it, I will increase the measure in your life. If you're not faithful with it, I'm taking what I've given to you away, and I'm giving it to the person with the most. Why does God do that? Because he wants to return on his investment. You're all getting quiet on me. So we have to steward the dream, and the dream is for an appointed time. I'm just telling you, we're coming into a season when God's going to start cashing in some of those dreams. It wasn't that God said no to you. It was that God said it's not the right season. It's not the right season. Now, this is amazing because we read Isaiah 54, verse 1. And follow along with me. God says this, Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman, the barren woman, now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. This is crazy. The context of this is God is speaking to his people who have been in a barren, dry, desolate place because of their sin and their rebellion. And God is saying, there's a new season coming, and I want you to start singing because your barrenness is getting ready to be transformed into great fruitfulness. Now, this is crazy because they weren't looking for a word from God. They were just in the midst of their barrenness and desolation. But how many of you know God will step into your life and my life sometimes completely unexpectedly, and one word from God can absolutely change everything about the course of your life. And God does something here that we would think is terrible pastoral care. You don't go to a barren woman and tell her to start singing. Oh, and by the way, louder. Oh, and by the way, sing with joy. That seems so insensitive. But God is not concerned with how we think. In fact, the Bible says his ways are so far above our ways. His thoughts are so far beyond our thoughts. God says to this woman, I want you to start singing loud and with great joy. Now listen, if God tells you to start singing before there's a breakthrough, it's because he's God and he's already seen what's coming. So you need to hear what he says and go along with the program because you're about ready to get a major answer to your prayer and a major breakthrough on the other side. It is easy to sing when everything's going great. It is hard to sing when you're sick. It's hard to sing when you're frustrated. It's hard to sing when you're discouraged. It's hard to sing when God feels a million miles away. But listen, God is not interested in how we feel. God feels great all the time. God is ultimate reality all the time. God is who he is, and he's inviting us before the breakthrough 
to begin to worship him and praise. How many of you have been sick before and you don't feel like singing? You don't feel like coming to church. You don't feel like reading your word. You don't feel like much of anything. But you know what? You just start saying, you know what? We're going to fill our house with some praise. And you, you put on the worship music. And even though you're congested or you got a headache, you physically make a choice that I am going to worship God. And you begin to sing and you begin to worship Jesus before the breakthrough comes or before the financial breakthrough, or before whatever it is that's the challenge, this giant obstacle in your life, you begin to sing over your barrenness. I'm just telling you, God really likes this. Because you know what it does? It complements his greatness. It says that you believe he's bigger than your present situation. And so I'm telling you, would you guys do this with me? When we come to worship the Lord on Sunday morning, will you not just come and just stare at the screen and and just sing along? That's not why we're here. I mean, I mean, you know, the songs we sung this morning were weapons. I mean, you take those lyrics and you beat the devil's brains out with the truth about what you're just reminding him. Oh, yeah, devil! My God is unstoppable. He's the unstoppable God. Oh, yeah, let's sing it one more time just to remind you. See, what's happening is you're you're warring in your heart for the issues in your life. You're warring. You know, somebody came up to me this morning and said, you know what, I'm warring over my husband. He's going to be saved and he's going to be worshiping Jesus next to me. That's what we're doing. We're singing over barren relationships, barren ground that needs to be tilled where there's no life and we're calling the life forth because we believe in a God who resurrects the dead. Isn't that awesome? So I want you to sing. Sing loud. There's been times when the devil messed with my kids or the devil was messing with something in my life. And, and boy, I just, I said, all right, you asked for it. Hit the button. Praise starts going off. I start getting into it. I start talking out loud to the enemy. And I just tell you, trash talking. <laughs> trash talking. Oh, yeah? Let me remind you what a loser you are. Let me remind you that this momentary light affliction is nothing compared to the glory that's on the other side of this when I go through it. Let me remind you. Oh, 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 yes. Let me remind you of your final destination. Oh, yeah, it's going to be ugly forever. You're a loser. Christ is one. I'm with Christ. I'm a winner. End of discussion. I talk like this. I've had moments where I was out walking in my backyard, pacing back and forth, trash talking the devil and worshiping God. This is what I'm talking about. You sing over the barren areas in your life and your eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ and you remind yourself of these truths. How about Paul and Silas when they're in prison? They just got done preaching the gospel. Some demonized lady gets set free and a riot breaks out and they're arrested and they got the daylights beaten out of them. They're bloody. They're, they're in stocks and chains. And guess what the Bible says? At midnight, with blood running down their open wounds in who knows what kind of excruciating pain after the beating that they took, they start worshiping Jesus. <laughs> These guys are nuts. 
That's not what you do when you're beaten up. Unless you want breakthrough. Then you start singing over your barrenness. The next verse says, God showed up with an earthquake. (laughs) How many of you know you never get your earthquake if you don't open your mouth and sing through your pain? You never get a Holy Ghost earthquake on the other side. This is important stuff that we're learning from God's Word today. We've got to be singers. Today I want to focus on verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home. And the Lord says, and spare no expense. Now, I want you to see that verse 2 logically follows verse 1. God just got done saying, oh yeah, you're going to have more fruitfulness than you know what to do with. You're going to have so many kids. You better start doing something about it. Now, if God told me years ago we were going to have eight kids, Mary and I laughed because we probably would have ran from each other um, because we did not anticipate this. But I'll tell you what, if we would have had a word from God that said, you're going to have eight kids, I probably would have started saying, where are we going to put all these people? We need to start figuring out where we're going to put these people. We got, we got to get bedrooms and, and we got to have room in this house. Well, thank God he blessed us with room over the years and we kept adding on and making more and more room. But how many of you know if the, if the Lord says there's a bunch of people coming, you're going to have a big family. You got to start building on, make some room. It takes faith to pick up that, pick up that saw, to pick up the, the hammer, to, to get the blueprints out. Get your hard hat on and to start doing something. But you know what? It's the logical thing. If the Lord says there's increase coming, get ready for it. How many of you know it was completely ludicrous for Noah to be building an ark for all those years? Do you know how much, how much he was made fun of? How much he was mocked? Every day, man, swinging that hammer, cutting that wood, building this boat. God only knows what a boat is. They didn't even have any water in any, any, la- any lakes or nothing like that to even put the boat in. But God said, build an ark. There he is. But how many of you know when the first raindrop fell? <laughs> There's Noah going, I, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Or how about this? I love this story. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful tearjerker story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4. It talks about a widow whose husband just died, and she doesn't have enough provision to pay off her creditors. In fact, the creditors are coming to take her two boys, and they're going to take her from her uh, into slavery. And her heart is broken, her heart's heavy, and all of a sudden she comes into contact with Elisha, the prophet, the man of God. And I love what Elisha says. He says, how can I help you? What do you have? What, what, what do you need from me? And she says, all I have is this little flask of oil. And Elisha told her to do something crazy. He said, I want you to go to your family members. I want you to go to all your neighbors. And I want you to ask for every piece, a bowl, piece of pottery, cup, pot, pan, whatever you can find. Get as many of them as you can find. So she does. And then he says, now what? He says this, take that little tiny flask of oil and start filling all these empty buckets. Do you know how stupid that sounds? I mean, put yourself in her shoes. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to take this little tiny flask of oil and start pouring it out? Guess what happened? You know the story. She starts pouring it out in obedience. God used a little flask of oil to fill every single pot and pan that lady could gather. She sold the oil. She paid off all her debts. And guess what? She had money in the bank because she serves a God 
that resurrects dead things. She serves a God for whom nothing is impossible. She serves a God who's looking for people's weakness to come into counter with his super sufficiency so that God can be glorified. And we're still telling the story today. God wants us to build. God wants us to expand. God wants us to have a vision to move from faith to action. Now, I want to show you guys this morning a video. It's an exciting picture of not only where we've been as a church. Some of you are new. Some of you have been here for decades at Living Stones, and you're going to see some faces that are familiar. But this video is going to give us a picture of where we've come as a church, and I believe where we are right now, and I believe the next step of faith that God is asking us uh, to move ahead with. And so check out this video, the I-54 campaign. Enjoy. You know, all throughout the scriptures, whenever God did something amazing to demonstrate his covenant faithfulness to his people, he instructed them to build an altar of memorial. You know, it was a simple pile of stones. That whenever people would walk by that pile of stones, especially the next generation, they would pause and they would ask their parents, Mom, Dad, what's the purpose of this memorial? What's the purpose of this pile of stones? And there was a chance for parents to be able to take a moment and to rehearse the greatness of God, the the faithfulness of God, the love of God uh, to the next generation. You know, I'm standing in front of a pile of stones you can see behind me. It's living stones. It's It's a facility that God built out of the faithfulness of people who have gone before us. You know, I remember back in the days when mom and dad were opening up our house and the house was full of people who were coming out desperate to get their marriages healed, to get their families healed. And we had to find somewhere larger to contain all that God was doing. And you know, it was amazing because the folks who went before us paused at that moment. They said, you know, we need to do something. We need to build an altar of memorial so that our kids can see what God has done in our generation. And you know, it's a humbling thing as I stand here before this this structure, which is really represents three different building phases that have happened over 30 plus years of ministry. Because each one of these building phases means at some point God's people said, you know what, we need to recognize what God is doing. And buildings came up. And they they were never built for the sake of building buildings. They were built to house the glory of God. They were built to to be a, a memorial of the lives that have been touched over the years. And there's been literally thousands and thousands of people who have gone through the walls behind me, a memorial of God's faithfulness and God's goodness to us. So let me tell you about an exciting campaign that we are launching called the I-54 campaign. You might be wondering, what is I-54? It sounds like a highway. Well, it is a highway. It's a super highway, I believe, to God's destiny for our house. You know, as we were gathered together as a staff not too long ago, we were praying about this effort, and the Lord directed us back to our prophetic beginnings. It was years and years ago when mom and dad were opening their home and ministering to marriages when God began to speak to them sovereignly, supernaturally, prophetically through some seasoned prophets. They walked into a meeting very late. They sat all the way in the back of a very large gathering. And as the person began ministering the word of the Lord, he he stopped and paused and he pointed all the way to the back and he said, that couple sitting all the way in the back. And my mom and dad didn't realize that they they were literally in the last row. But they turned around and looked, and sure enough, there was nobody behind them. And this man of God said, yes, you, I'm talking to you. 
And they stood to their feet, and he began to prophesy Isaiah chapter 54 over their lives and over their ministry. The word was this. God said, I want you to enlarge your tents. I want you to expand your borders. I'm getting ready to bless you with great fruitfulness. And he went on and on and on to fill their hearts with a prophetic word from the Lord. Well, they didn't know what to do with it. But a year later, somebody came to our house totally unannounced, walked up to my parents and said, I have a word from the Lord for you. And quoted Isaiah 54, a year to the day. We believe that this idea, living stones, is God's idea. And that his vision for us is that Isaiah 54 would truly unfold through our church life. And that we would be able to enlarge, expand. We'd be able to reach generations. We'd be able to resettle cities that are desolate. We'd be able to see broken, desolate people healed and families restored. And that's the vision behind this I-54 campaign. It is a super highway to the destiny that God has for us as living stones. So I-54 is going to address several things. We want to completely renovate our youth facility. Uh, as you know, that carpeting has been in there for 20 years. It looks terrible. Uh, it needs a facelift. We also want to redo our nursery area and children's area to make it safer, to make it more secure, uh, have some themed elements in there that are, the kids are just going to love. But most importantly, we're going to add a foyer, a giant foyer that's going to connect all three phases of our building project into one seamless whole. So when you walk in, you won't have to wonder like you do now, where's the front door to this place? Where? How do you get into Living Stones? Where do we go? It's going to be very clear. It's going to be beautiful, spacious, a wide open place where people can fellowship, where people can register, where people can get information on all the different ministries that we have. And most importantly, they're going to clearly know if you have children, you're going to clearly know, where do I take my kids? And, uh, and they're going to receive some powerful ministry. So those are some of the things. We're also going to redo the fellowship hall and turn it into a, a beautiful multi-site area and an overflow area for our sanctuary uh, as we continue to grow. But we're getting a spine, and this spine is going to tie the entire building together and really enable us to begin to move south as God continues to bless our ministry. As your pastor, I want to make sure that you catch my heart behind this vision and, and the motivation behind it. Sometimes people get nervous when it comes to believing God or investing or sacrificing in a vision that's going to cost them something. And I want to encourage you, we have no expectations on any of you other than that you'll pray and that you'll join us in faith to step out and believe that God's going to do something supernatural through all of us. You know, I'm your pastor. I'm raising eight kids. I have a limited salary. We don't have uh, money laying on the table looking for somewhere to go. I know how it is. I know how most of us live. But here's what I'm doing. I'm believing that God wants us to be a part of making history together. And that if I'll step out in faith and seek the Lord, He's going to give me creative ideas. He's going to put numbers in my heart that He wants me to believe in for. He's going to help us as a family learn the value of pulling together and investing in something important and sacrificing. And here's the deal. I think God wants to give us some great stories, supernatural stories, that we'll be able to look back and say, hey, do you remember when we stepped out in faith? Do you remember when we believed God? This is all about grace. This is all about fun. This is all about believing God. It's all about trusting Him. And I believe that God's going to do some amazing faith building through all of us as we take this journey together. The I-54 Superhighway of Faith. Right, what do y'all think? Amen. You know, when I think of uh, 
mom and dad and others who were here since the very beginning, you know, dad and mom didn't have a plan to start a church. They just loved people. They recognized that, you know, people were having trouble in their marriages and families. And they opened up our home. You saw the picture there. Our home just exploded with people. Uh, they were getting touched, getting, getting help. Um, but they didn't have a vision for that. They just kept loving people. And then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes people have this romantic idea that we don't need buildings. Uh, we need to go back to the simplicity of the gospel. Well, guess what? All of you ain't going to fit in my mom and dad's living room, all right? I'm just telling you. Uh, there comes a point where those kind of ideas are a bit romantical and, uh, and just not very realistic. These facilities are like memorials. They're, they're, they're piles of stone that remind us that, you know what? God was faithful to them, and guess what? He's going to be faithful to us. And uh, I remember when mom and dad, the elders were together, they were praying uh, they realized that we needed to get some land. We needed to actually start thinking about a facility. And um, and they all agreed that Crown Point was to be the location, but nobody knew where, nobody knew of any land. And literally, when they made the decision that this was, the place was Crown Point, and they began a search, my dad was driving right here on the corner of Pratt and Summit. He pulls up to the stop sign right out here. And there's a man standing in the field. This was all a big field. And there's a man just standing there. And my dad rolls down the window and he says, hey, you don't know who owns this property, do you? And the guy says, well, I do. Now, I mean, you know, that's kind of an interesting coincidence. And then my dad says, you wouldn't be interested in selling this property, would you? And the guy says, well, as a matter of fact, I would. Now, how many of you know, when you step out in faith... God's already got the guy standing on the corner wanting to sell his property and waiting for somebody to come along. But you know what? If you didn't ever have a dream, there'd be nobody standing on the corner waiting to sell their property. It's amazing how when we step out in faith, then God begins to move. I remember when this was just an iron structure, just just the iron uh, girders were up, and I stood in this property with my dad, it was just dirt, all right? And, you know, when you're used to ministering in our living room and you're standing in this facility, this was like the Superdome, all right? And it was scary because when you step out in faith, when you've been meeting in somebody's living room and you step out in faith and you put up a structure like this, uh, I mean, you know, it takes faith. And my mom just reminded me between services, she says, you know what? The steel for this building that we're sitting in right now, the steel was up three years, mocking them. Who wants to put up a bunch of steel that never gets finished? And the community laughs at those living stones, nutcases that started the project and it never got finished. And you know how the devil likes to mock you. They said for three years, the building went undone. But then God began to move again, and they're stepping out in faith again. And guess what? We're sitting in a structure today that has literally touched thousands and thousands of lives of people that have gone through here. Aren't you grateful for a place to worship God? And, um, and, but I want you to know, it wouldn't have happened if a bunch of normal people, not filthy rich people, just normal folks like us, that said, you know what? Let's step out in faith, and let's believe God. And then, you know, over time, we went through three building processes and which kind of leads me to why we're where we're at today 
You know, how many of you with kids, you know, you look at that, you look at that little box there, and when a number flashes up, you look hoping that it's not your child's number. <laughs> not because you don't want to care for your child, but because you know the gig. There's only one way to get to your kid. You have to, especially if you're on that side, you're going to stand up and you're like, I do not want to walk in front of this entire church while I go to those doors. Or you do the back route and you sneak down the aisle. Or you go outside the building and you go about 100 yards to try to find where the children's wing is. You all know what I'm talking about. Why do you think we sit right there on Sunday morning? Because I raised eight kids. And when my number's coming up, we're going right out the door, all right? That's why we sit there. But that's a problem. And um, another problem we had is, where is the front door? If you're new, you probably recognize this. You pull up, there's four doors. Door number one, door number two, door number three, door number four. There's a prize behind one of those doors. (laughs) I have no idea where I'm going, but... Hopefully there's somebody nice in the parking lot that day that's going to point you in the right direction. So I, I said, you know what? We got to fix this problem. Good folks have to work really, really hard to find out how to find us and how to get to the sanctuary. Um, I mean, you know, we have a great, big, giant, spacious foyer out front. Not. Some of you couldn't even fit your life group in our foyer out front. It's very teeny tiny. Uh, as soon as we built this structure... The rooms off the sanctuary here where the doors are were classrooms. Well, as soon as we built the facility, we went to two services. We had zero room for all the kids. So we instantly had to go into the next phase. We had to start thinking of building an educational wing because we had no room for the children. We had, we had attic space where classrooms were meeting. I mean, I mean, you know, it was a great problem, but it was still a problem. All right? So we had all this stuff going on. So here's the deal. Your pastor is not an architect. I'm not a builder. You all know that. So I'm thinking, we've got to solve this problem. How about if we put an awning outside one of the doors in a sign that says, Main Entry? Yeah, that's a good idea. No, that's not a good idea. All right, so I had an uh, idea one day. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, we have got to figure something out. Here's the other discussion we were having. Can this sanctuary be enlarged? to accommodate more people as we grow. How about the youth sanctuary? Maybe we need to move to the youth sanctuary. Can that be enlarged? Well, guess what? I'm not an architect. I don't know what that looks like. We got some people figuring out if we knocked out that wall, how many more chairs could we get there? How many more chairs could we get in there? Um, So I finally got this great idea. Why don't you call somebody who does this kind of thing for a living? (laughs) And and so we did, but, but the Lord really led us to an amazing spirit-filled company of builders out in, in Tulsa that have been out here since. And here's what happened. We're all gathered around. We had, we had our blueprints, you know, and we, we're laying them out, lay them out on the table. And, uh, and we're, I'm all looking, and he's looking, and I'm hoping he has a revelation of what needs to happen here. And he, he just draws this box, and he says this, this church does not have a spine. Those are like fighting words around here. (laughs) I wanted to take them down right there. You know, what do you mean? We don't have a spine. He said, here's the problem. He goes, you have three different building phases. One that's attached to the next to the next. It's kind of like Christian church sprawl. You know what I'm talking about? 
Because I mean, you know, most churches, we're, we're, you know, every, we're operating on people's love gifts and tithes and offerings, and usually there's not a big bank account of funds. And so usually you're like, all right, let's build the next thing. And you just draw some more boxes on the end of your building. In fact, I got to give you this, the secret sauce here. Our youth room was designed on a napkin. And, uh, and when we started looking, I, I got out there and started, I'm a visual guy. I don't do good with numbers, so I got to see it. So we started staking out the square footage that we were looking at for the youth room. And I went to our elders and to dad and I said, I think this is too small. No problem. We grabbed another napkin and drew it bigger. All right. <laughs> Took care of that problem. And, uh, but the point is, we finally figured out, you know what, we, we've created, like, if you want to get from this part of the building and find your kids, you're going to go through a labyrinth, um, and hopefully you'll find them before sunset, all right, that's the way it is. So he drew this big box that he called a spine, that's, the, that's going to be the foyer, it's going to connect one end of the building all the way to the other end of the building, let's go ahead and show that. A blueprint, if you would. It's that nice pink area at the bottom there, and you can see from some of the renderings. Those were just those were just uh, uh, conceptual drawings. We haven't finalized anything yet as far as what it looks like. But wasn't it cool to be able to walk in our main doors out there and have a giant foyer that's clearly marked? If you have children, I, where do I take my kid? Ah, there's this giant sign that says you know children's ministry, and we got themed elements, and it's colorful. And where do I go if I have kids for the nursery? Ah, there's the nursery check-in. And and if you got any other questions, there's a nice welcome center there to serve people. Uh, you saw the coffee shop. Basically, all the offices on this side of the building, including my my own, including my dad's completely uh, blown up, all right? We're going to have a super highway into the sanctuary. When you walk in our church, you're going to know exactly where the sanctuary is. You're not going to have to figure door one, two, three, or four. You're going to know exactly where it is. It's going to be a nice big open area coming right through there. Uh, if you have to take your kids out or you have to go find your children, you're going to be able to walk right out the back, right down the nice foyer, straight to the children's area. There's going to be your kids, all right? It's going to be wonderful. You're not going to have to deal with these little number things and all the other kind of stuff uh, ever again. So that's the spine. And if you notice, that spine connects phase one, connects phase two with the, the uh, uh, gymnasium fellowship hall, uh, with our educational wing, and with our youth center. Now, let me mention a couple other things uh, that we're looking to do. Let me talk first of all, if you look at the far left here, that entire corner of the building now is going to be dedicated uh, to our children's ministry. Um, we're going to have one central check-in area. You're not going to be able to enter in through four or five areas. It's going to be safe. It's going to be secure. It's going to be completely redone. It's going to be colorful, awesome, fun. It's going to be a great place for our children to be touched and ministered to by the Lord. Amen? And then you look... Uh, Right to the right, that kind of purpley-bluish color, um, that's going to all be dedicated just to our nursery area, um, to our younger children. Same thing, there's going to be a nice check-in area there. You're going to know exactly where to go. Your kids are going to be ministered to, and uh, good things are going to happen in our nursery area. If you'll um, take a look at the white area, you can see uh, that's a major entryway into our sanctuary. It's going to actually be right right there on that where that angle is. That's going to be all doors, so you go 
them straight in. Uh, and then you can see where, where my dad's office used to be is going to be the uh, former Bishop Ron Coffee Shop. All right, we haven't named it that yet, but that's going to be a big area where you can sit and have fellowship before the service, come early, uh, stay late. Uh, we'll have plenty of room out there for people to connect, to, to have fellowship. It's going to be awesome. Um, let me talk about the green area again. You see those three rooms uh, at the very top of the green area uh, butting up against the youth room. Um, in our youth facility right now, there's that half wall that sticks out. And it's kind of dead space because nothing's done in that area. Well, we're having problems with uh, having enough rooms for life groups on, celebra- on Celebrate Recovery Night, on Thursday nights. We have a lot of small groups. That's growing. More and more people are being touched. Um, the youth ministry has small group uh, ministry as well. Uh, they're going to have more room to meet because what we're going to do is basically in the youth room, if you go to the first pillar on the balcony, uh, when you come in from the, uh, from the marriage classroom, into the youth room, go to the first pillar and come straight out. That's going to be where we're going to add three classrooms on the lower level. And then on the upper level, we're going to add two classrooms. So that's five new classrooms that will be available there. That's all going to be sealed off on Sunday morning, so it'll be secure for children's ministry. But then throughout the rest of the week, it'll be opened up, and other groups and other people can, can use that facility uh, and take advantage of the, of the uh, classroom space. So that's going to be real cool. The cool thing is in the youth room, it really doesn't take off that much space. We're still going to be able to have about 250 people to 300 people in the youth room, whether it's for wedding receptions, uh, youth ministry, celebrate recovery, whatever kind of gatherings that we have in there, uh, you're still going to be able to get a lot of people in that room. But we're looking to redo this, the flooring. If you've seen that carpet in there, it is disgusting. Uh, it's 20 years worth of a lot of people in that facility. All new flooring in there. And then how many of you believe with me that we're not going to stay contained in this building over the next three years? I mean, right here, the sanctuary. Um, and so we need to be thinking, what is our temporary plan for growth while we're building all that on and, and, uh, and getting our internal house together? So right now, if you go into our down the hallway into our fellowship room, uh, the carpeting in there is pretty bad. We've got gray carpeting on the wall. It's stained. Uh, the acoustics are terrible. Got two basketball goals on either end uh, that we use sometimes. Most of the time, though, the only thing that room is used for is to feed people uh, as they're going. You know, they pick up a plate of food and they go from the the kitchen area to the fellowship hall into the youth room. And um, I have been told that that room right there is going to be one of the most desirable, beautiful, warm fuzzy, friendly, great meeting places in the entire facility when we're done with it. It's going to have a lowered ceiling, uh, new lighting, acoustically sound, new flooring. It's going to be like basically a little mini sanctuary. We'll have a stage, small stage, a screen, sound, lights, so that when we overflow here, second service, we will have an overflow area there that will not be like worshiping in a closet, all right? It'll be like a very nice worship facility, great acoustics. That's going to be able to be used for all kinds of small group meetings, wedding showers, baby showers. Uh, still be able to be used to serve food in there when we do uh, some of our big events like Band of Brothers and so forth. So that's going to be really, really cool. I'm excited about that. Uh, but most importantly, this when you look at the rendering for the uh, for the spine, for the big foyer area there... Um, that's all being designed so that that whole, that whole side can be stripped off and down the road as we need a new sanctuary or whatever else God is calling us to build on the 20 acres, 
that spine becomes the, the connecting uh, foyer for everything that's going to be south of here. If we don't do this, we're basically stuck. Um, if we don't make uh, uh, adjustments now that tie the facility together, we really don't have anywhere to go. So, you know, this, the, the foyer part seems like, well, we're, we're going to build a foyer. It's not just a foyer. I want you to see it. It, it really is a connecting piece that pulls all this together and then sets us up for where we're going down the road, all right? So it's going to be very, very important. Um, so we got, we're going to deal with the foyer issue, which is a problem. We're going to get to the children's wing, which is going to be great. We're going to fix our main entry problem, which is awesome. People are going to know where to go. You saw the drive-through there where you can pull underneath an inclement weather and drop folks off right at the front door. It's going to be a sweet thing. New fellowship hall, new youth room, new uh, children's area, a wide open entry to the sanctuary. And you're saying, well, Pastor, when's all this going to begin? Well, did you guys see the, gof- the wild gophers that took over the property with those giant mounds of dirt? Any of you see those on the way in? Um, those were not gophers. Those were civil engineers. And they were, uh, they were digging holes to make sure that the soil is good to go. Because how about this? April 2017. We're going to be breaking ground and putting up steel, all right? How's that? Give the Lord a shout for that. So here's what we're asking of you, and you heard my heart. Uh, we're, we're actually ramping up to what we're going to be calling Commitment Sunday. It's March the 19th. You can write it on your calendar, March the 19th. Uh, it's about four weeks from now, roughly, and... Uh, we don't want you to do anything. We're not taking up any offerings or anything like that. Uh, all I want you to do between now and March the 19th is pray and simply ask the Lord, Lord, you know, what is it that you want me to do? Now, let me back up because last thing I want is for anybody to leave here today and say, what do they think of that church? Money grows on trees. You know, don't they know how tight it is in, the, in our household? I just confess to you, I understand how tight it is in your household. I live in one, all right? I understand. Here's what we're asking God to do. What are creative ways the Lord is going to bring resources, hear me, that don't currently exist? I'm not expecting that any of you have large sums of money that is just looking for somewhere to go and you're going, oh, thank the Lord pastor shared this vision. Now I know I'm supposed to write that, you know, multiple million dollar check. Now, if some of you are out here and that is exactly what God's saying, we will receive it. <laughs> but I would guess that most of you are living week to week and trying to save a few bucks, all right? So here's what we're asking. You know, it was so neat. Uh, some of you know Bonnie Vysak. Bonnie is so full of life and so so spunky. She didn't know what we were even talking about this morning because it was before service, but she came up to me and she said, Pastor, I just got a raise. Now I'm going to be able to give more. Don't you love Bonnie's heart? I mean, that, I love that. But here, here's what I'm talking about. I was, I was reading Mark Batterson's latest book called uh, Chase the Lion, which I recommend, uh, one of my favorite authors. And isn't it amazing how God speaks to our hearts when we're in motion, all right, when we're going somewhere. I'm reading his book, and he tells the story of... Uh, uh, Rick Warren, I, I, you all know Rick Warren, uh, Saddleback Church, great church. Well, when Rick Warren uh, was birthing that church, they were in a three-year capital campaign. And as the leader of the church, he's saying, God, what do you want me to give? I need to set the example. I need to lead the way. I need to lead the way with sacrificial giving for, for my people. And uh, 
and God spoke this to him. I want you to give three years of your full salary. Now you can imagine what would be going through your mind. Um, Lord, how am I supposed to live? But he said God told him to give three years of his salary. So he said, all right, Lord, whatever you say. Do you know that when he agreed to that and wrote the first check, he got this thing in the mail, which was the advance forward paycheck for a little book that maybe some of you have read that did pretty well. It was called The Purpose Driven Life. And the money that he got, the advance money, was exactly three times what one year's salary was. Now, here's what I want to share with you. When God speaks to your heart and tells you something, he doesn't want you to argue with him. He just wants you to go, okay, Lord, this is going to be fun. And then listen, when unexpected money comes in, connect the dots. It's not for you. It's to go through you. Because God is giving you the money that you didn't have to build your faith so that you can be the pipeline to a legacy that we're going to leave for the next generation. You know, I pulled my kids together last night and I said, you know, guys, here's the deal. You're sitting in a youth room that's the result of people's faith and sacrifice, people that's had a vision to believe God and you're enjoying the benefit now we're going to have skin in the game from this next generation. And I, none of my kids are working full-time. They're babysitting. They're doing other things. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask the Lord, what can we do when you're 15 years old and you babysit every now and then? What is it that God would have you invest in your generation and in the next generation? Because none of this happened by accident. But here's the cool thing, right? I want you to hear my heart. I have no expectations on anybody other than this one expectation. Pray and obey. That's all I expect. Pray and obey. Now let me just tell you, I have been racking my brain on what God would have us to do. Because we have two kids in college right now. And we're squeezing blood out of a turnip. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you see this face? I'm happy. Because I'll tell you this, I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. And I'm going to give you another hint. When you're in worship, your hands are raised, you're loving Jesus, and out of nowhere God drops something in your heart, let me help you. First thing you say is, was that the devil? And then you say, was that me? Let me remind you of your context. You're in church. Let me remind you of your focus. You're loving Jesus. You're lost in his presence. And guess where that thought came from? God. And let me just tell you, if the thought was so big and so outlandish that it scares you, it wasn't the devil. It was God. Because here's what I'm telling you guys. I just want to see us partner on a journey together over the next three years 
We're looking to raise above and beyond normal operating tithes and offerings. I'm not talking about take your tithe check and put it in the building fund. That's not going to work. I'm talking about above and beyond. We're on a three-year faith journey. But here's what I believe will happen. We're not going to get mad. We're not going to get stressed out. We're going to stay in grace. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord. Here's what's going to happen. We are going to have some supernatural stories of God's provision. And when this rascal is done and we walk through the facility and we see the people that God is sending, the lives that are being touched, not just in our generation, but for the legacy that we're leaving. How many of you, after you're gone, you want to leave something powerful behind for your kids uh, where the gospel's still going strong, where people's lives are still being changed? That's the opportunity that God is giving us. So here's the other thing I want you to do over the next four weeks as we're just praying and and soaking in God's presence and just listening. We gave you a bookmark slash prayer card. That's what this is. It's, It's a prayer card. We want you to put this in your Bible. And this is just a daily reminder of a couple important things. On the front, we have our I-54 verse here, Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. And we didn't realize this at the time, but Isaiah 54, the first three verses, absolutely contains the, the four bullet points below of our vision. You know, Isaiah 54, 1 talks about restoring broken lives, desolate lives. That's our vision. That's number one. It also talks about a family that's bursting at the seams with new kids. That's, that's vision point number two, restoring homes and marriages. It says, look at this. It says that we're going to resettle ruined cities. That's reforming culture. That's moving into, into areas that are troubled, broken, communities that are broken, and bringing reformation. And then check this out. You're going to occupy other nations. That's all about vision point number four, reaching unreached nations. How many of you know Isaiah 54 is not just a great passage in the Bible? It's a prophetic inheritance for this church right here. It's part of our seed. It's part of where we came from. So that's the front. I want you to pray that verse, meditate on that verse for your own life and for our church life here. But if you flip it over, these are the prayer points that I want you to join us uh, with in faith. We want faith to dream with God. It's not just about this dream. I want the dreams God has for you to come to life. I want you to be asking God for faith to do what he's asked you to do. We want to pray for fruit. We want to touch people. This is not about buildings. Buildings just house the fruit. Buildings just enable us to minister and to minister well. So we want to touch a lot of people in this community. We want favor. We want our influence as God's people to grow. We want the voice out of this house to grow larger. Amen? And we want, of course, we need finances to complete the project. We're looking to raise between $1 and $2 million over the next three years. All right? Can you join? Hey, let me just tell you, that's more money than I've ever had to believe God for. Can you join faith with me? Um, we we're believing for $1 to $2 million extra on top of, of a normal operating budget. And then lastly, for faithfulness to persevere. How many you know, as soon as you try to step out in faith, the devil doesn't just sit back and go, oh, great, you guys are expanding. That's really awesome. No, there are road mines. There are obstacles. There are naysayers. There are people that speak evil of the project. There are people that judge you. There are, there's all kinds. How many of you know, as soon as you, as soon as you have a vision for how much God's put in your heart to give, you might go backwards in your finances. I'm just warning you. How many times have I heard people say, Pastor, I started tithing and then I lost my job. Yeah, because God's getting ready to give you a better one. 
because God's getting ready to give you a promotion. But I mean, this happens all the time. As soon as you, as soon as you have a vision and you take one tiny baby step, the devil whacks you. I'm just warning you. So I'm just telling you, we need to persevere. That's why the verse says, first of all, sing. You need to start singing at that loser when he starts doing that. Oh, you just stole that money there because my refrigerator went out. That money was going to the building project. Well, hallelujah. Oh, you want to mess with my refrigerator? Well, I'm getting a better refrigerator. And there will be more money that's going to be released because I'm not letting my refrigerator knock me off my purpose. We're going to persevere to the end. And here's all I want you to do. Just believe God with me for crazy supernatural increase over your life. You know, I, I told the Lord, you know, there's sometimes when I get a, an opportunity to go minister at another church or something, there's, they'll receive a love offering for me. Um, okay, that's extra money. I can, I can give that money to the Lord. I can put that in the building project. Or if somebody gives me a gift, or if this happens or that happens. How many know sometimes there's unexpected things, like you get in the mail a rebate? Or how about we got tax season coming up, and all of a sudden you're getting back more than you anticipated? I'm just giving some suggestions. These are ways that it's money that we weren't expecting or money that was coming from somewhere that we were not even aware of. But I'm telling you, these are the supernatural ways. And listen, if you'll be a conduit, God will enlarge you in amazing ways, all right? Here's what we're gonna do. I wanna end the service with an offering and to have a chance for us to give. This is not for the building. We're, we're not talking about building. I'm not asking you to do anything about building. On March the 19th, I am asking us to do this. Every one of us would have some part to play in owning the vision. Some part. Doesn't have to be big part. Some part. Do something and make some kind of skin in the game. Uh, that's all I'm asking as your pastor, that we would have everybody participating in some way. But on March the 19th, that's, that's the building kickoff. That's our commitment day when we, when we make our pledge. And again, we're just doing this in faith. Lord, what is it that, you're, that I can do? It's th- basically over three years. What is it that you're asking me to do? Um, and that's going to be the 19th. But today, here's, here's why I'm ending the way that we are. And I want our ushers to, to just gather at the doors on the way out. I just want us to be focused today that this is an act of worship. And I want to ask God to bless us, to enlarge us as we sow that God would give us increase. And I just want us to believe, looking through the eyes of faith, that, the Lord, this is a challenge before us. We need resources. God knows that. Uh, but nothing is impossible with God. So let's take a moment right now. And if you've got your tithes and offerings uh, to give, let's do that. Get it in your hand. And, um, and we're just going to bless it. Don't forget to bless Brittany. Go, get, go eat some great baked goods on the way out. Bless Brittany. Uh, help her get to her uh, assignment. And don't forget marriage classes today at four. All right, will you stand with me as, as we close in prayer? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for vision that moves us out of where we are and takes us into a place that we're all gonna be really excited about. There's something powerful about watching a video and being able to see with our eyes what these things are gonna look like before they're even built. It's kind of like you, Lord. You, you know our future. You've already seen it, and it excites you. You know where you're taking us. But, Lord, we can't see it yet. We have to walk by faith. And so, Lord, even as we give this morning, we, we give because you've blessed us. We give because you're our God. We give because you've instructed us to bring back a tenth of everything that you give us. 
that's yours return it to you. And then, Lord, on top of that, you ask us to give so and other things. And so, Jesus, as we do that today, we're doing it in faith. We're doing it with joy. And, Lord, we're asking that you would bless your people. We pray for increased promotions, God. We pray for investments that would that would go off the charts, God. We pray for, for stuff that comes in the mail that would surprise us. We pray for favor with banks, God. We pray for every kind of way, Lord, that you could, could, could bless us, God, that you would do it so that we can bless you and we can bless your people. Lord, thanks for a great church family. Lord, we're excited together. We're, we're excited about where you're taking us. We're excited to be a part of it, Lord. And I just pray that we'd stay full of faith, stay in joy, stay in grace. And Lord, it's going to be fun. And we're going to have some amazing stories to tell. So Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Bless us this week, God. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Hey, we love you all. God bless you. You can give on your way out. All right, have a great week.